Please be seated. Let us pray. Lord, open our eyes to see Jesus. Open our ears to hear your voice. And open my mouth to speak your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Serpents or snakes must be amongst the most reviled and feared creatures on earth. That may well go back to the founding story in the book of Genesis, in which a serpent persuades the woman Eve to disobey the instruction of God and go and eat of the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden of Eden. You will not die, the snake untruthfully assures the woman. But as the story shows, because both Eve and Adam believe the serpent's persuasive words, sin, evil, and death enter into a perfect world. And ever since, snakes have become traditional symbols of evil. We talk of snakes in the grass, meaning cunning, deceitful, or slippery characters. I remember when I played a character called Snake in a school play. I felt this just wasn't me, and I had to persuade people that this wasn't how I was really like. And any Harry Potter fans among you will know that the most evil wizard, Lord Voldemort, is manifested as a snake in his attempts to kill the boy hero. So it's strange that, as we heard in tonight's Old Testament reading, that a serpent is used by Moses as a symbol, not of evil and death, but of healing and life. As the Israelites are grumbling about God and how Moses has led them into the wilderness, the Lord sends poisonous snakes among them because, as they say, we have sinned by speaking against the Lord. So Moses, at the people's request, prays to the Lord on behalf of the people. The Lord hears Moses' prayer and tells him to make a serpent out of bronze, erect it on a pole so that whoever has been bitten by the snake may look upon the image of the serpent and live rather than die. Here we have a complete turnaround. The serpent, which was a sign of evil and death, is now seen as a symbol of the healing power of God. Indeed, a bronze serpent is used by some health organizations as a symbol of their work. Our local hospice in Sheffield used to have the bronze snake as part of its original logo. All of this goes against our natural inclinations. If any of us came across a snake, I think our instinct would be to get away from it as quickly as possible. In a previous circuit, I had a lay colleague who kept snakes at home as a hobby. Yes, he did. 
Well, at least they didn't need taking out for a walk every day, did they? This colleague once invited me to come round to his house and see his collection of snakes. And I could, would be able to hold them and even embrace them around my neck. I thanked him for his kind offer, but politely declined the invitation. Moses, on the other hand, seeks to overturn people's natural fears and tendencies. And what he does is to ask them to confront this object that threatens their very existence. In what Moses does here, there is a profound truth borne out in other situations and circumstances. And it is this. When, with the help of God, you are able to confront the thing you find most frightening, frightening or threatening to you, then you are on the way to being released from the hold it exerts over you. Let me just read that again, because I think it's quite important. When, with the help of God, you are able to confront the thing you find most frightening or threatening to you, then you are on the way to being released from the hold it exerts over you. Think of people with alcohol or drug addictions. They have no hope of being healed or of gaining new life unless and until they face up to their problem, openly acknowledge it, and intend to seek to overcome it. The same may be true of people suffering from anxiety issues, phobias, or forms of obsessive behavior. Or think of those who are simply afraid of cancer, believing that in any circumstance it will be terminal. Or those who just are simply afraid of death, even in natural circumstances. In all these situations, I think the principle of the bronze serpent holds true. The beginning of healing lies in confronting what frightens or threatens you, facing up to it, looking it in the eye. Only then can the fear start to recede. And as it does, so the promise of new life can begin to appear. Why is that? The passage from John's Gospel that we read earlier is the only place in the New Testament where the bronze serpent of Moses is mentioned. And again, strangely, it's likened to Jesus. John says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. John is referring, of course, to Jesus being lifted up on the cross to die. John isn't saying that Jesus is like the serpent, certainly not in the sense of the serpent as a symbol of evil, just the opposite, in fact. It's more like the turnaround in meaning that God gave to the serpent when he told Moses to cast one in bronze and erect it on a pole. The difference is that whereas Moses' bronze serpent was an image of the cause of fear, sickness and death, Jesus on the cross 
is an image of what can overcome not only fear and sickness, but also death, defeating sin and evil in its wake. So the Son of Man, lifted up on the cross, will also be a sign of the healing power of God and the promise of new life. And we can understand why John uses this reference to Moses' bronze serpent. The crucified Jesus is the antidote to the poison of sin, evil, and death, just as the bronze serpent came to provide the antidote of the snake poison that killed the Israelites. Jesus, the only perfect and sinless human being, takes into himself the full poison of the world's sin and evil. And as a result, he inevitably dies and embraces the fate of all humanity, resulting from the sin of Adam and Eve. As God said to Adam, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Words we use in our Ash Wednesday liturgy. Because Jesus chooses to accept that fate of humanity for himself as a sinless man, he breaks the curse of the serpent in death. And by the power of God's love in resurrection, gives eternal life to all who believe in him. So what does this say to us tonight at this healing service? Two things, I think. First, it says to those of us who have come with a particular need tonight, whether it be a bodily illness, a psychological or an emotional condition, an addiction, obsession, or fear, it says to you, there is hope with God. Out of that which you fear, new life can come. God can bring it for you. Just find the faith and the courage to look that fear in the eye and its grip will start to be loosened. And once it is loosened, then God's healing power can find a way in and offer you the hope of new life. And the second thing I think it says to us is this. It's a message to all of us, whether we have a particular need or not that brings us here tonight. Again, it says to us, for you too, there is hope with God. This is good news for all of you. In Romans, Paul says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all been bitten and poisoned by the serpent of sin and evil. And all of us need healing to be saved from death the spiritual death that the snake inflicted on Adam and Eve. So you see why the Son of Man is lifted up. So that you can, in the words of an old hymn, turn your eyes upon Jesus. We all need to look at Jesus, to gaze on his suffering face, to look him in the eye, and there find the healing that flows from his cross to us all.
For on the cross, Jesus defeated all the forces of sin, evil, and death, and he won the victory over them for good forever. Therefore, we can come tonight with all our fears and anxieties, all our worries and our concerns, all our brokenness and sickness, and stand with them beneath the cross of Jesus. And as we see the crucified Jesus lifted high for us, we can open our eyes and gaze upon him in all his suffering and agony, and we can know that by his death, he gives us the power to overcome all that brings us here tonight. So with Charles Wesley, we can sing or say these words, then let us stand beneath the cross and feel his love a healing stream. Let me invite you then to come and stand beneath that cross tonight, to open your eyes and to gaze into the face of Jesus and to feel his love a healing stream for you. You can do that as you come to receive the bread and the wine of Holy Communion. Or you can find it at the communion rail when you can receive the mark of the cross on your forehead after you've uh, received the bread and the wine. And you can receive anointing then for healing. Or you may discover it as you go to members of the healing prayer team to have prayer ministry from them. So take up that invitation tonight and allow the healing stream that flows from Jesus' cross to pour into your life, to turn your life around, and so bring you the healing and the wholeness that you need. Thanks be to God. Amen.